0: struggling to cut through the hype around marketing trends or know what'll make a real difference for your campaigns dive into the marketing architects a research first podcast exploring the blueprints for success grounded in marketing psychology and economics research join discussions on category leadership brand building and marketing accountability when you start listening at marketingarchitects.com/podcast or search the marketing architects wherever you listen to podcasts Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Cale Guthrie-Weissman, the Editor-in-Chief here at Modern Retail. This week, we have Eileen Mokas. She's the CEO of Koyuchi, which is... A pretty well-known, and really, I didn't realize how old it was while I was doing this research, a 30-year-old home goods brand. Eileen has been at the company for well over a decade, has been CEO for the past decade. Is that correct? That's correct. It's a really fascinating company for a lot of different reasons. They have a real focus on sustainability. They're in a bunch of different sales channels. They also did something really interesting last year in terms of fundraising. And I want to get into just all, all of that because I love talking about business. But Eileen, how are you doing? Thanks for joining.
1: Thanks for having me, Kale. And yeah, great to be here.
0: Absolutely. So first, let's start with you. So you joined Koyuchi in 2011, is that right? That's right. What were you doing before?
1: Uh, so I had spent about the previous 10 years with uh, the Pottery Barn brands. I was in both Pottery Barn Kids and PB Teen as those brands launched and um, you know had their kind of growth and um, impact on what the home industry looked like. Uh, And then prior to that, I had worked in the outdoor industry, um, background in uh, technical fabrics, performance materials, um, worked for uh, Patagonia and the North Face, uh, and really, you know, learned a lot about sustainability as well as um, just the ability to combine how something feels, how something performs um, with how something looks.
0: So this seems like a a marriage of both of your backgrounds pretty good together, right?
1: Absolutely. And that was sort of the beauty of, of coming to Koyuchi was just this opportunity to um, combine you know, passion, business, uh, and certainly a, a love for what I do.
0: What has your trajectory been there? Because when you joined, you were VP of product. Is that correct?
1: Uh, that's right. And it was physical product, um, not not the digital okay. product. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you have to, when you talk to people like me, I'm always like, oh, you mean Facebook? Um <laughs>
1: Yeah, a little bit different. Um, So I came to Koyuchi to help them work through um, some supply chain opportunities. Uh, Additionally, the company uh, was in a mode of expanding um, what was offered. Um, The original business was very focused on um, just bringing organic cotton into the textile supply chain. Uh, And, you know, what I was coming in to help with was creating designed product, um, a full assortment, as opposed to just white and undyed sheets and towels, which was probably what the assortment looked like back in 2010.
0: Two years later, they were like, we want you to be CEO. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah sounds a little sounds a little <laughs> aggressive right um, so um you know really what was happening as well uh it was not something that I had initially been part of but Um, The direct-to-customer website was kicked off in 2011. uh, And while the business had been focused on B2B, that was how the the customer found us, that was the company's start. Um, Once that consumer-facing website was um, available, um, that started to really kind of shift what the what the business needed to look like. Uh, and so that was really um my coming in as CEO was part of just an overall change in the focus and direction of the company.
0: Got it. yeah, because I was doing some research and correct me if I'm wrong, but at least as of me reading a story from a year ago, most of your sales come from e-commerce, is that right? That's
1: right. Yeah. So, um, so that's
0: quite a shift.
1: It's a big shift. Um, and, you know, I think there's definitely plenty of brands that had that um, that focus on their wholesale channel um, that, you know, had a, had a very different uh, – the past 10 years were a little different for them. Uh, so yeah. we were fortunate to kind of recognize that just launching that website – It sped up the cycle of how you're able to communicate with your customer. And I think that was, you know, 10 years ago, if I think back to the learnings, that was really what we tapped into the ability to talk directly to the customer, as opposed to, um, you know, there's a lot of benefits to wholesale. We still have wholesale, but um, it's a slower cycle, and you're having to speak to your customer through. A different group.
0: I also think that you're in a category that more people have come to expect to buy directly from the source. Like people still do go to stores to buy, you know, sheets and towels. But I think a lot more people are like, I would like to know the exact brand that this is, which I'm sure we'll go into that. But can we I want to back up a little bit because you've hit on a few things. But I always like to ask people just to give kind of a truncated history. We have three decades to cover. So um, but how did Koyuchi start? You've offered a, a great explanation of the last 10 years, but just give me a a brief history, I guess.
1: Sure. Uh, So uh, Christine Nielsen was the company's founder. Um, She uh, launched Koyuchi as a way of combining one of her passions, which was she was involved in hand weaving Um, and then was part of, you know, sort of a Marin County organic movement that was happening in food and recognizing that, you know, cotton is grown on the same land that our food is grown on. And this, uh, concept of organic farming, um, you know, it was, it was being talked about, there was no standard, there was no, um, there was no Whole Foods um, selling, selling all of our organic produce. Um, So, she that was her goal, was to bring organic cotton into home textiles. It was alongside Patagonia working on it in apparel, um, Esprit Corp, which was a, another San Francisco-based company at the time. They were also working on organic. Um, and so she chose home as the area that Koyuchi would show up. And we were the first um, home goods brand to bring organic cotton uh, to the market.
0: And when you say that the focus for the first, you know, I guess two decades was B2B, was that predominantly wholesale retail or like what were, what were the channels you were strongest in before you joined?
1: Yeah, it was definitely um, B2B. It was a lot of small uh, retailers. Um, think about, you know, organic mattress stores, um, a, a little more on the kind of less um home fashion, it was more kind of functional is where I would say the the company had gained traction. Um, and look, some of those retailers we still work with today, which I think is um, just, just a great trajectory for the business that um, we can develop other parts to our business, but we've kept some of those original partners as well.
0: Got it. And so I wanted to ask you, and I think you're in a really interesting position just because The brand has been around for so long, and you've been, you have so many learnings about what shoppers are looking for, specifically when it comes to like sustainability. Can you talk just about the trajectory in terms of? what people have come to expect what they're actually looking for like how how have you changed the storytelling of koyuchi's products over the years because i feel like now people are a little bit more educated probably not as educated as we would like them to be about their sourcing but it's very different than it was 10 years ago right
1: oh that's very true um and you know we had packaging from it was well before I joined, but it was sort of a, a bit of a almost scare tactic. You know, it was about, <laughs> um, you know, there's so many pesticides used on cotton and organic is an opportunity to remove those pesticides. Um, and while all of that is true, it never really, um, it doesn't resonate with the customer the same way. Uh, and so I think over the years, it's really shifted. Um We're using GOTS certified organic cotton. Um, That GOTS certification is how you're allowed to call it an organic sheet set as opposed to just organic or, you know, Sheets made of organic cotton would be the alternative, um, and that is you know similar to say a loaf of bread that you would buy that's organic. It has to cover how it's being made, um, and so for us that's you know low impact dye stuffs, and there are requirements against uh, around what you're able to put on your finished product, and you know we've turned that into a way to differentiate our product. We think it gives a certain feel to the product. Um, Cotton is just perfect for home furnish for home textiles, bedding and towels in particular. Um, And so we were really able to shift the conversation from the scare tactic to why does this add value to your home? Um, And I think that's what we tap into today as well, and we've just gotten better at at what that storytelling um, incorporates around, here's how it's made, um, our relationship with the farmer, um, what... What it means to process your textiles differently, that um, those low impact dye stuffs are good for the end user, um, but they're actually better for that worker that's making your product as well. Um, so it just gives this holistic view of um, it's interesting how things are made. Uh, we're not used to talking, even being able to see um, how is fabric woven? How is a sheet set made? Um, we get a little bit of that, but really what you have to bring it back to is what's the value add for the customer. And at this point, you know, we can definitively convey that Um, it's a safer product, it's um, more comfortable next to your skin, it's going to wear well, because we've got 30 years of history that we know how to make a sheet set that you're going to love. You're going to grab that towel out of the shower, and it's going to dry you off, it's not just going to look great out of the package. Um, So, you know, really, what we have tapped into the last few years is this sense that, Comfort and design are there, they're still number one. But if we can tap into the values of our customers, that's what's going to keep them coming back, as well as that great product. Um, we also refer to it as you know, luxury sustainable products without compromise, uh, because sometimes there is still a sense that. It is a compromise to buy with your values, and we're really able to prove that, that that doesn't have to be the case.
0: I'm still going to focus a little on the past just because I, I want to know, but we'll get to the present soon. Don't worry. Can you talk about how you implemented the digital shift when, when you took the reins? Just because it's such a behemoth task for a decades-old company to suddenly be like, all right, we're going to launch e-com, and then it, for it to actually become you know the lion's share of your business what was that just being in the right place at the right time figuring out the right marketing walk me through how you did that
1: yeah um and you know look it's a little bit of both right it's you can recognize what's going on around you but then how do you tap into it as well um and you know it was a noticeable shift in how the company was oriented so we started you know basically using um our ecom metrics as the decision points for anything that we were looking at, so if we wanted to understand you know sort of color selling or um which which fabric was doing better than say another collection um we would we would go back to what the ecom results looked like as opposed to. Um, what we were seeing in the other channels. Now, realistically, you know, they're not that dramatically different, um, but it gave us focus and it allowed us to kind of recognize that that was going to be where the future would be for the business. And so that's the part of the business that we should pay closest attention to. We had some shifts in in how we were using headcount with, across the organization. So certainly had to you know pare back some of the headcount that was supporting B two B and acknowledge of like we'll keep that business, but we're not going to keep adding and building it out. We're going to shift that headcount over to um, marketing and creative that was going to support the website.
0: How much focus on branding or i don't know if rebranding is the right word but it seems like when you're in a store you, you only have so much storytelling you able to do but when you have a site it's it's a lot more and people are specifically seeking you out so walk me through what what the strategy behind that was
1: yeah so um, the, the marketing shift was was significant um, when I when I think back to you know we were supporting trade shows and we were doing um, things like you know you'd do a we still will do a wholesale um, lookbook um, that we print but it was a much bigger endeavor in those days. Uh, and you know dropped all of those in favor of what we could do on the website, recognizing that our you know our buyers will also visit our website because that gives that's a, a source of what the brand is about for them as well um, so you know building out um, the brand pages on the website. Um, we invested pretty heavily in blog content as well. Um, that gave us that format to tell a deeper story about what we were doing and why it mattered. Uh, it also you know, helps kind of surface in SEO, which um, we've always tried to have that balance between where are we paying to get in front of our customer, and what are the other initiatives that are um, allowing us to show up where the customer is at without without having to pay for it?
0: I actually wanted to ask about that because in the the years that you've you know focused so heavily on digital, it's become really crowded in the specifically the betting space. There are so many DTC betting brands. Did you find that you had to compete? head to head with these other, you know, newer companies? Or were you operating in a space with different customers? Or like, how did how did you think about the, the entire landscape, given that there were so many new entrants?
1: Yeah, and, and you're right, it is definitely been a, a crowded space in, in the betting market. Um, we have always sort of had a view to who our customer was. Um, I think the benefit that we had is, um, we did have that B2B business. We also had one retail store up in Point Reyes Station, California, which is, um, it's in the original space that the company was founded. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> an unusual an unusual way to get yeah. started in retail. Um And so we had a little more indication of um, who the customer was and what would resonate with them. And so we're sort of using kind of the multi-channel opportunity um, from a much earlier stage because it's what we had to work with. Um but if I think about you know sort of as other brands came into the market, I don't want to say we didn't see the overlap. We certainly could tell where we would overlap with another brand, um, but at the same time always knew that um, if we continued to focus on who we saw as the customer, which was a little bit different from who our competitors were targeting, that we would also be able to see continued growth. I think there was another shift that has, and it's still playing out in home, is there is the shift in how the customer is shopping for home. Um, I think you also mentioned earlier that, you know, the customer's getting more comfortable shopping for bedding online. And that's been a shift that's happened over the last 10 years, that it's just the number of categories that we're all interested in shopping online continues to grow. Um, And that also allows us to um, continue to grow. Competitors come in and they may be growing as well. Um, But that's, that's part of the trend that I think we were able to tap into.
0: We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. What would you say your target shopper is and how is it different from these other brands?
1: Yeah. So um, we view our customer as uh, we we refer to her as the conscious curator. Um, So it's definitely a she. Um, We, we certainly see that um, it's a little more on the um, I think it's a, customer that really loves their home. So they're like a home decor enthusiast is sort of the um, kind of definition that they might be given by um, some of the kind of marketing associations. But we see what she's really doing is she's caring for her household. And so, you know, sort of that's where the values come in. She's looking for things that are safe for her family, that are going to be durable, that are going to feel great. Um, and it is very much like it may be only her and, you know, a partner and maybe a couple of pets or it's a full household, um, but they really care about their home. And so from an age standpoint, look, sometimes that's as low as, you know, a 25 year old. Um, but I would say our sweet spot is going to be, you know, on the older end, um, look, home home buying. Um, whether you're buying a larger home, a different home, um, that's all, most of that activity is happening, say, 40 to 50, 40 to 55. um, And that's another driver for us. So those, that's the area that we're going to focus on. But it's, got to be that customer that really cares about the space that they're living in.
0: Got it. Got it. That makes sense. This is a very broad question, but there's an intention, which is just to sort of talk about the focuses of the last few years. But what does growth mean and like the focuses of growth for a 30-year-old company, specifically in the last year?
1: Yeah. So um, one of the things that Koyuchi's always focused on is um, profitability, um, which I think is a little bit different than um, some of the other brands that just came in from a DTC standpoint. Um, We were always encouraged to focus on profitability. um, And so that's been a component of um, what we've always looked at as part of our growth um, trajectory.
0: Got it. Got it. And so I wanted to ask you this just because this is something i've I've talked with other home goods brands, especially betting brands about. But for a company like yours that a is you know, has been around for so long and definitely has staunch customers who have been been there for the long haul with something like, say, like product reviews, is that as important for a brand like yours as it is for, say, a startup?
1: It's still important, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So like, yeah. like, yeah. So walk me through like what, like I always, you know, I, I go to a website like the strategist and I see best bed, like, like, is that something that is like something you are always aiming to get, to get in on and focusing on as part of your digital marketing strategy?
1: Those are still really important. You know, in order to continue to grow, we're, we still need to bring in new customers and, um, and then our existing customers getting them to try something different, say, than what they've already been buying. So I think the comfort level with reviews and the importance of reviews, it still exists for all customers. Um, and I look to things like the strategists and then a lot of those um, lists that pull out um, sort of what are the top um the top products in any given category. I think those are a way for us to make sure we continue to show up that we're part of that consideration set for a customer base. Um, And then you come onto the site, you see the reviews, we all need more external cues we're not it's just a little bit harder to kind of be with your friend and and find out what they've been buying or be at your your neighbor's house and be looking at sort of what they've got in their house right it's anything that we can do to help expedite that decision making process
0: i want to go back to your talk about profitability because this is something as I'm talking with everyone about every every company is at least trying to be profitable right now because it's a it's a weird state we're in. How does that manifest this focus of profitability for a company like yours, especially like if you like have you done product expansion, how does that fit into the overall you know the overall margin structure or even like marketing like wh- what are you thinking about, especially when you're doing new new tests and new experiments how how are you considering profitability as part of that
1: so um you know, we're looking at uh, i guess one of the differences let me start there. Um, one of the differences for Koyuchi is that you know we weren't just sheets or towels, right? We didn't start in one category. So even 10 years ago, you know we already had uh, you could make a complete bed. It wasn't. Oh, I can just get my sheets from this brand. Oh, great! Now they've added the towels. Um, we already had the ability to help you purchase a full bed. We used certain products as kind of acquisition vehicles. I think that's kind of very typical of of how. Um, all DTC brands are able to bring customers in and continue to grow with them, um, but we, I would say, had kind of a, a deeper uh, deeper bench to pull from of how we were going to be able to do that. Uh, and in terms of you know how we're looking at that from a profitability standpoint, um, you know we're looking at what are the ways that we can continue to help the customer build out their whether it's their Koyuchi bed, their Koyuchi bathroom, how are we going to help them build the whole space? Uh, and that's what we're looking at as you look at the mix of products and say that customer acquisition product and then the second, third, fourth purchase. Um, you've got to get that mix right. And that's what allows us to get to that profitability metric.
0: Got it. And has retention been more of a focus these days than before? Or, like, what are you thinking about when you're thinking about profitability specifically?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, retention has always been something that we were focused on because we have had this history that um, not you know, a lot of other brands don't have that benefit. Uh, I think what's shifted today is that, like, all the home brands. um, We also saw just a surge in new customer growth over the pandemic. And so retention really matters because we want to be able to retain as many of those customers as possible.
0: Got it. And so like, was that You know, can can you go a little bit deeper into that? Just for like two years, a lot of my podcast was just talking about how crazy twenty twenty and twenty twenty one was, and now I feel like the podcast is now. Well, what are you doing after that? So, like, what are you doing after that?
1: Yeah. Um, So, you know, if I think about what we're able to do with retention today, um, it's looking at you know, sort of the the cohorts of different groups that we brought in. um, What are the ways that uh, product assortment helps us to then target different customers. So if if you bought, if you came into the brand buying sheets, um, what's the next product that we want to market to you? If you come into the brand buying towels, um, you know what is what does that customer's behavior look like? Um, and then really having, uh, I think the other area that Koyuchi does a great job with is having engaging content. Um, we know that for customers that buy home goods, um, it's not a, It may not be an every 12 month purchase, right? We might not always get the customer to come back within that 12 month cycle. And so, how do we make sure that we're always kind of staying connected, staying relevant? Uh, because if they're on more of a two year cycle or a, or an even three year cycle for how they want to replace their home goods, we want to play into that. Uh, mindset that they're already thinking about. Um, And then the last thing I would say is um, part of our storytelling involves uh, bringing in our second home and circular initiatives where we also invite our customers to send their product back to us uh, because we're creating a a mechanism where we're able to renew and recycle that product. Uh, And so I think it's just recognizing that, look, that's that's something that's unique to Koyuchi, that we have a customer that is interested in um, that sort of conscious consumerism side to what they, um, how they want to live their lives. And a second home program that's unique to the home industry um, gives us an ability to engage a little bit differently.
0: Can you go a little bit more into that? Like, what's the background of that? And how, you know, what what do you see in terms of, does it require a lot of customer instruction or explanation about how that works. Just walk me through that, that entire program.
1: Sure. So second home is uh, both a take back and a renewal program for Koyuchi. So um, we're asking our customers when they are finished with their product to go ahead and send it back to us. Um, And that is the ability to just send it back and they'll get 15% on um, their next purchase. Um, and what we're doing with that product, uh, we had originally partnered with the Renewal Workshop. They're now Blackman, and they renew the product for us. So it goes through a uh, you know cleaning cycle. They inspect the product. Um, it's got a little bit of that, like you know, from the automobile industry, how, how that you've got this kind of certified renewed. Um, and then we're offering that for sale to our customers at roughly a thirty percent. Um, off of the original retail price. Um, and that has, you know, honestly, like it's probably 80% of the product that comes back is able to be renewed um, and, and resold, which is a pretty high percentage. I will say um, one of the things that drives that percentage is that um, another unique thing about Koyuchi is we allow the customer to send product back to us um, for a store credit up to 365 days. So, um, a little bit uh, from my outdoor industry days, um, you know, you got a lot of lifetime value products in outdoor. Um, that policy was already in place when I got to Koyuchi, but I really understood it because it's not just a 30 day or a 60 day trial, right? It's like, really, you no, know, you're going to love this sleep on it keep keep washing it, keep using it, and you're going to love it. Um, but if stuff does come back through that channel, um, we are able to renew it. Got it. A,
0: a couple of follow-up questions. One, about how many customers or like percentage of customers even, or just any sort of sense, participate in the, for the program?
1: Oh, from a customer standpoint, mm, I don't know that I could give you a good number on that. Um, okay. Yeah.
0: That's fine. But and then my next question is, how many customers, I, I I mean, I love the idea of, you know, 365-day re- returns. How often do you see a customer 200 days returning a product? Is that an issue that you deal with? Or do you find that after the two-month moment, they're not going to return it?
1: Oh, yeah. it's it It has a, it trickles. It's got a long tail. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the volume is certainly going to be within the first, I would say, probably, you know, 60 to 90 days. And then it starts to taper off after that.
0: Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you just from a uh, messaging, and this goes to my earlier question just about the evolution of a customer and messaging seeking out sustainability, is a company like yours, you have a lot of certifications, you participate in a lot of different programs. How important is that to the customer or is that just something that you need to do as a company? Like if you get a a, a certified um, organic certification about your cotton or you're part of, say, a coalition, does that actually resonate with customers, I guess is my question?
1: Uh, I think that the certifications are the third party verification of what we do. And you know, for organic, um I think it's very important because I think there's a lot of opportunity for um, for us to make sure that we're kind of following the guidelines that are exist for a reason um, because organic commands a premium. Right, And so anytime you have that element of um, the cotton is actually more expensive, um, how are you making sure that you're getting what you paid for? Um, So that's really the the way that we're looking at the certifications is that we've made the decision for how we want to run our business of why we think it's important to the customer. We want to give them a way to not have to do a research project and just have the sense that um someone's watching over wh- how we're doing it
0: got it got it makes sense um how you mentioned that you know, you're still in some wholesale channels that you have a store. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I read last year that you're planning on opening a second store. Is That's open, right?
1: Yeah. So we did a second store location uh, and it's been, uh, I would call it more of a test that we ended up doing a store in Palo Alto, California. Um, and, you know, the store in Point Reyes, um, look, it's this tiny town. It's a day trip. From San Francisco, um, a lot of kind of second home type market. It's a, it's a different um, it's a different retail strategy um, and one that we fell into. So you know Palo Alto gave us the opportunity to try a different format and a different uh, type of location um, that you know, we learned something new so that we can figure out what that, um, what that future retail strategy looks like for Koyuchi.
0: And what does it look like? What have you learned? Do you think you're going to do more stores?
1: Uh, we're interested in doing more stores. Um, I think what is interesting about Palo Alto is that um, we land, you know, lots of people already knew us. Um, And so I think it has that benefit of um, really providing the showroom experience um, as opposed to what we're seeing with the store in Point Ray Station is that it's like a destination. And so it's just a different behavior. Um, I think you've got one instance where the customer goes in, looks, feels, gets a sense for what they want, orders online, and the other one where they grab it and leave with it.
0: Got it. Got it. Running out of time, but I have a million more questions. One that I definitely need to hit on is um, last year you announced Regulation A, I believe is what it's called, where you you pretty much equity crowdfunding, I I think. is. um, So can you just give a little bit of background about A, how you did it, why you did it, whether you thought it would like – I feel like a lot of, especially now, given that the VC landscape is so bizarre, probably a lot of other companies are thinking about how can I raise money? What what were your takes one year in from doing that?
1: Yeah. So it's been an interesting process. Um, I would say that um, our initial thesis played out. Uh, what we were hoping to see was that our customers that know and love the brand uh, would be interested in being an investor. And that's definitely what we have seen um, as as what played out for us, um, which we're pretty excited about. Um, we think that's a really unique proposition that uh, your customers want to be an investor in your business.
0: We're heading into the holidays. We have another year. We always have another year ahead. But what are you thinking about? What are the big focuses for Coyucci? What are you thinking about?
1: Um, so we're... Focused on a couple of different things. Um, certainly, holiday is right in front of us, and uh, you know, really embracing more of a gifting orientation that we haven't always had in the past for a home brand. So excited to see how that plays out for us. Uh, and then, um, you know continuing to work with our retail partners um, in addition to what we're doing online. Um, So we've got an interesting collaboration with rejuvenation coming up um, that we're excited about uh, and feel like that's just an opportunity for us to kind of show up in a different way for our customer, um, but still with all of the um, emphasis on sustainability, um, as well as expand into new product categories with them that um, give us some new knowledge about um, where Koyuchi will have that product opportunity in the future.
0: Can you give me a hint for what types of new product opportunities? Uh, it's
1: it's floor coverings. Yeah, we'll be in the rugs. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's exciting. Yeah.
0: Well, Eileen, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining. I really enjoyed our conversation.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Kale. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today.
0: And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and a rating. See you next week.